We're live from Capital Public Radio in Sacramento. This is Insight. I'm Randall White in for Beth Ruyak today. It's crunch time at the state capitol. That's because California's budget has to be finalized no later than midnight on June 15th. And there are many special interests and major projects that need to get their funding between now and then. And of course, this is politics. So not everyone is in agreement of what gets money and how much. Capitol Bureau Chief Ben Adler is at the Capitol to educate us on those issues that might be getting the most attention. Uh, Ben, let's start with the fact that this time around we have a different governor, but the same legislative leaders. What, if anything, is likely to be different? Well, good morning, Randall, from the Assembly Press Bay, where it's we're, we're expecting a little bit of a short session because there's a long day's worth of budget work and negotiations that will be getting underway. So, yes, what is different? Well, here's the thing about budget negotiations, at least that, that I've observed, and there is a rhythm to them year after year. And when there's a new player at the table, that rhythm gets adjusted for that new player. And that happens even more so when that new player is the governor, because the governor's January budget and then the updated budget known as the May Revise that comes out mid-May, I mean, those form really the, the building blocks, the, the basis of, the, the, you know, the core of uh, a state budget deal. And then lawmakers will do their things around the edges. They will add more things. They will bring more perspectives into the conversation, if you will. Uh, but but what ends up happening is, is you generally have the governor's budget, and then there are extra things that lawmakers can add. Uh, usually dem, dem ledge leaders and, and others will set priorities. And so uh, we're, we're trying to figure out how that's all going to work out this year. And I, I think to some extent the legislature and governor, or new governor, are, are feeling each other out. And because of the makeup of the legislature, Democrats have the lion's share of the say of what happens. But Republicans have a say as well. And as I understand it, you have the top Republican on the Assembly Budget Committee there with you to give us that perspective. Oh, I wish lawmakers came exactly when their staff said they would. We are uh, very much <laughs> expecting to have Republican Jay Obernolte uh, of Southern California with us momentarily. I can see his staff outside haranguing uh, <laughs> to, to get him over here. Uh, but we, we don't have him quite yet. Uh, but, but you know, it, uh, the, the way budget negotiations work, once upon a time, you had what's called the Big Five legislative leaders from both parties, Democrats and Republicans, negotiating with the governor. Then, just as Arnold Schwarzenegger was leaving office, California voters passed a ballot measure, Proposition 25, that made budget bills majority vote. And with that, and the election of a Democratic governor, the Big Five immediately became the Big Three. Republicans are no longer at the bargaining table for the state budget. It's not to say that that lawmakers who work collegially through the budget process can't have some say, but it does mean that they're not making the final decisions at that table. And so uh, these are the days right now. We expect uh, perhaps uh, uh, the, the outlook of a deal, the outlines of a deal to emerge tomorrow evening. Yes, late Friday night, believe it or not. Uh, and I can explain why as we you know, keep going in this segment. But uh, what, what that means is it's a pretty precarious time for negotiations. The Democrats aren't willing to speak on the radio about it right now. Uh, but Republicans uh, do have some idea of what's going to be in the budget. And, uh, you know, that's why we're hoping to talk with, with Assemblyman Obernolte when he stops by. But in the meantime, we can talk about what we expect will be in the budget. Yeah. And Cap Radio's health care reporter, Sammy Kaola, joined us in studio yesterday to talk about health care. And that a plan there might be one of the sticking points, right? There are various pieces of the budget related to health care. 
So the governor proposed uh, health care, expanding California's health care for low-income people, so Medi-Cal, to undocumented immigrants who are young adults uh, living in California illegally. So uh, right now, California, and for a few years now, California has offered Medi-Cal to undocumented children. And ever since then, Democrats have been trying to expand it to young adults, to seniors, to all adults. There's been various proposals. And both the governor and the legislative leadership on both houses have proposals in there for expanding Medi-Cal to serve undocumented young adults ages 18 through 25 or 26. The Senate also wants to expand to seniors, and so there is one area of contention. And the contention isn't about whether it should happen, because I think everyone uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle here, or most everyone, I don't want to overgeneralize, most everyone would say that that, that should be the case. But uh, the question is whether the money is there to pay for it. And so that's one of the issues that's under discussion. Ben, we just clearly heard a gavel. What was that for? We are beginning session. And so Uh the the, uh, prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance are going to be coming up. And here it comes. Assemblyman Jay Obernolte will speak a little bit quietly during the prayer. But thank you for joining us on Capitol Public Radio. Of course. It's an honor to be here. So the Democrats aren't willing to talk about budget negotiations right now, but I would imagine that you have plenty to say. Uh, What's your view of the spending package that is coming together? Well, I think it's easy to expand social programs in a year when we have a $21.5 billion budget surplus, but I think we always need to keep our eye on the fact that uh, the surplus that we have is a temporary one, and structurally we need to make sure that the state's finances are sound in the event of a future downturn in state revenue. Uh, before you joined us, we were talking about various health care proposals. There's, you know, un, um, health expanding Medi-Cal for undocumented young adults or perhaps seniors. There's uh, the individual mandate at the state level replacing the canceled one at the federal level that would help fund subsidies for covered California for lower and middle class Californians. Among those proposals, are there... Uh, is there anything that, that Republicans can get behind? Well, I think that Republicans favor fixing Medi-Cal so it fulfills the promise that we're already making to the Californians that depend on it. Many of my constituents that I represent are uh, technically covered by Medi-Cal, but in reality they're unable to see a provider when they get ill because there are so few doctors who can afford to take the low reimbursement rates that Medi-Cal offers. So before we talk about expanding a failed program, I think we need to make sure we fix it and shore it up to make sure we're, we're committing, uh, meeting the commitments we've already made. And I think they're one of the parties in the negotiations that I'm blanking on which, whether it's the Assembly or Senate, one of the parties is trying, or maybe it's the governor actually, is trying to raise the reimbursement rates. Yes, uh, and that's something that I'm very much in favor of. What about expanding subsidies on covered California to middle-class Californians? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we need to be very cautious. Uh, I, I understand and agree with the premise, which is to make sure that more Californians are covered by health insurance. That f- fixes the system and makes it better for everyone. Uh, unfortunately, it's not clear to me that there's any statistical evidence that extending these subsidies to the income ranges the governor is proposing would have that effect. So there's also the proposal from the governor to uh, begin moving toward universal preschool for four-year-olds. What are your thoughts on whether that is a good direction or too costly a direction for the state to move in? Well, uh, I'm a big fan of early childhood education. Statistically, the evidence is very clear that that's beneficial to children. Unfortunately, if you look at where we are in terms of K-12 education, it's very clear that we're failing Californians. 
Uh, we are 46th in reading scores, 47th in test, math test scores. We are dead last in terms of student to uh, teacher ratio of all 50 states. We've in this budget, depending on where the Prop 98 guarantees which ones we get adopted, uh, we'll have raised the, the uh, per student uh, spending to a little over $12,000 per student. That still pits us adjusted for costs uh, 41st among the 50 states. So I would really prefer us to shore up our K-12 system and fix some of the systemic structural problems that exist there before we talk about expanding and creating new other uh, educational programs. Now, Proposition 98 being that Byzantine state uh, constitutional funding formula for schools and community colleges. Uh, we, we just saw Los Angeles voters reject a, a tax measure that would have sought to help fund LA schools after the strike and, and the deal that basically everyone agreed, look, we know there's not enough money there, we'll try to get more money. Sacramento's going through a similar situation, other school districts perhaps too. Is, is Proposition 98, even though it brings in roughly 40% of every penny that comes into state coffers for schools, is it not sufficient for California education? Should there be additional money for schools on top of that? Well, I think we all need to keep in mind that Prop 98 was intended to be a floor for educational spending in California, and the legislature, unfortunately, treats it as a ceiling. Usually the legislature takes whatever the Prop 98 guarantee is deemed to be and adopts that as the state's spending plan, and that was never the intention. Anything you'd like about what's in the budget? That, that, I mean, we don't know exactly what's in the final deal, but what you, you, you've been around enough to know how this final deal is going to shape up. What do you like that's going to be in there? Well, certainly we're going to be putting a lot more money into reserves, regardless of whose figures we go with, the governors, the senates, or the assemblies. I'm very much a favor, in favor of the uh, $3 billion that we're putting towards pre-funding PERS and STRS long-term liabilities. That's going to yield 2 or $3 uh, in the future for every dollar we invest now. That's very prudent. Uh, we should end the year, the fiscal year, with over $20 billion in reserves which is great, uh, but we need to be mindful of the fact that the LAO estimates that in even a moderate recession... We're the Legislative Analyst Office, the nonpartisan right. budget watchdog. Yes, uh, they estimate that uh, in even a moderate recession, we're going to have revenue loss of about $40 billion. So to put it another way, $20 billion is a great start. We're about halfway there. The uh, One of the bones of contention between the governor and the Democrats in the legislature appears to be this issue that I, I almost don't want to get into called tax conformity, but it's dealing with well over a billion dollars in potential net revenue to California. It's basically conforming state tax law to the new federal tax overhaul that passed in Congress uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, the Democrats, by the way, have, have criticized for, for how it treats upper income earners in California, but California now considering conforming the law, and that would bring in, you know, some areas it would bring in less less money, others bring in more money, but overall about a billion and a half more money to California. Um, there were some business groups down in the governor's office the other day saying, yeah, we're good with this. What do Republicans feel about it? Uh, I think as conservatives, we're always wary of tax increases, but uh, I think that tax conformity is in general a good thing. It makes the tax situation less complex for both businesses and for residents of California. Uh, we're talking about a lot of money here. It's almost $2 billion, about $1.7 billion, according to the latest figures that I've seen. And a lot of these provisions in the conformity uh, would be fairly non-controversial. For example, for businesses, the uh, federal tax law changed last year to make it so that net operating losses could not be carried backwards, and carrying an NOL backwards is something I've never really understood. Carrying it forward makes sense. Backwards, you know, I don't know uh, what the justification for that would be. So uh, a lot of these things are, are fairly non-controversial. I'll tell you what I'm absolutely not in favor of is 
to adopt tax conformity and take that $1.7 billion and use that extra revenue as an excuse to spend more somewhere else. That's something that's been attempted in the Budget Conference Committee that I'm very much not in support of. Well, what about using some of that money as the governor proposes toward expanding the state's earned income tax credit for low-income working Californians? Uh, right. I think we need to be very careful about the way that we expand EITC. I mean, it's, it's in general, there's, there's a lot of evidence that EITC is, uh, encourages people to work and lift, uh, acts as a ladder out of poverty. These are good things. Uh, but we need to make sure that we're, we're using things that are evidence-based. And there are some of the, the uh, some versions of that proposal that we're debating in the Budget Conference Committee that it's not clear to me that that, uh, that statistical evidence is there for. I'd like to uh, wrap up with a question that, that uh, our host Randall asked me before you, you joined us, and that is, with a new governor, but the same legislative leaders, what's, what's different this year? There's a rhythm to these budget negotiations. What do you believe is different this year under this new governor? Well, the Governor Newsom has made some changes to the Department of Finance. Uh, I really like the changes that he's made. The DOF has been very uh, easy to work with this year. Uh, people that he has involved in the process are incredibly engaged. They're very intelligent. They know their stuff, uh, as does he. You know, our governor uh, is, is clearly a very uh, intelligent guy, and he knows his budget statistics. The fact that he can stand up and present on his budget without his notes and without relying on staff is very impressive, and I value the fact that he reads and that he makes his own decisions. All right. Republican Assemblyman Jay Obernolte, thank you for joining us. You're the vice chair of the Assembly Budget Committee. Thank you. It's always an honor. All right, Randall. So there we have it. And I think we uh, are going to see some sort of budget deal begin to emerge Friday evening. And the reason for that is that next Saturday, June 15th, is the constitutional budget deadline for the legislature to pass a spending plan. And in order for all of the, the you know, for, for the whatever budget deal is agreed to, to get into print and be in print for three days as required by the state constitution uh, before getting a final vote, and because lawmakers really don't want to be in town next Friday or Saturday voting on this budget, they want to vote it next Thursday, a week from today. Uh, that's why everyone is trying to close out the spending plan negotiations, these spending plan negotiations, tomorrow. And it's probably going to be, if it happens tomorrow, tomorrow night. Capitol Bureau Chief Ben Adler live at the California Capitol. Hey, Ben, let's switch gears just a bit. There's a brand new poll out from the Public Policy Institute of California that suggests only Democrats in the state support impeachment. Can you tell us a bit more about what that poll found? Yeah, it it meshes uh, not only with what national polls are, are, are saying, but also what we found in talking to Democratic Party delegates at the state convention over the weekend. Essentially that, well, you know, just because uh, the, the, the Democrats might, might think that impeachment is really the, the way to go, that they haven't made the sale. And that's maybe, I don't know if it's surprising that it's the same in deep blue California as it is elsewhere, but independence in California, too, even in the state that, uh, you know, voted for a Democratic governor 60 to, to 40 or so last year that, that uh, voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump by essentially a, a two to one margin in, in 2016, that, that these, these independents in California are not sold that impeaching the president is the right way to go. In this same poll, there appears to be a generational split among California Democrats as to what matters more in picking a presidential nominee, electability or policy views? Yes. And the younger you get, according to this poll, 18 to 44 year olds more likely to support picking a presidential nominee, at least. So they asked Democrats and Democratic leaning independents and, and more likely to go with uh, someone whose policy views matches the voter. 
if you're 45 and older, you're more likely to go with electability. And, and uh, you know, earlier this week we had our, our uh, undecided voter roundtable uh, on Insight, and there were three folks in their mid-50s and one in his uh, 20s. The voter in his 20s was very much not about electability. And uh, the three in their 50s, two of the three said electability clearly their top priority. Now, all four of them said they would vote for whichever Democrat is the nominee, but you do see the split that's going to play out in the primary campaign over the next several months. So the poll also asked about some important issues to Californians. It found broad support for sweeping measures designed to build more housing by a two-to-one margin. Yeah, so there are a couple of uh, issues that kind of stalled or whose futures are uncertain right now. And starting with a proposal from Governor Gavin Newsom to tie transportation funding from SB1, that was the gas tax and vehicle fee increase uh, that survived a ballot measure attempt last year that would have reversed it, uh, to use that money and say, look, local governments, if you don't meet your housing goals, you're not going to get this money. Now, a lot of folks in the legislature pushed back. The governor was forced to delay the implementation date in his proposal. And right now, that issue is part of budget negotiations. There was also, as you know quite well, Randall, from your coverage of this issue, a bill called SB 50 in the Senate that uh, would have forced cities to approve multifamily housing near transit hubs. And that was unilaterally sidelined by the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee, Anthony Portantino of uh, the Los Angeles area a couple weeks ago. Uh, So both of those measures, when you ask about them, or both of those proposals, when you ask about them in this poll, they've got support by a two to one margin. And so it suggests that that voters might see what legislators are doing, which is slow walking some of these proposals as a mistake. And SB 50, while sidelined, can come back next year. Yes, sidelined for the end of this year, unless there is some sort of legislative procedure or shenanigan that resurrects it. Never discount that possibility in this building. (laughs) Right. All right. We should know most of what's in the budget deal by the time we return next week. So, Ben, you're joining us on Monday's Insight to bring us the latest assuming there is anything to talk about. And we do think there will be. Yes, I will. I will be around. Excellent. Capitol Bureau Chief Ben Adler live at the California Capitol. Thank you, sir. Head to capradio.org to keep up to date with all of Ben's latest reporting on what's happening in the world of politics. You're listening to Insight. This is your NPR station, Capitol Public Radio. (laughs) 